Hey guys, I'm going to tell you something you probably already know. Your girl takes a little bit longer to come than you do, right? It's true. It's a fact. But you could totally fix that with Promescence Delay Spray. Their delay spray is not just for guys with PE. It's for any guy that wants to last longer in bed without having to worry about lasting longer because it doesn't transfer to your partner and it's not going to totally numb you out. And for your partner, they have warming gel that is my personal favorite. I love it. They also sell lube and condoms and sex toys. Just go to their website. They have everything you need for a really fun hot night of SEX. And today, just for listening to this episode, I'm going to give you 15% off your first order. That's 15% off all your promescent products. All you need to do is go to delayspray.com. Use my promo code strictlyanon15 for 15% off. Just go to delayspray.com. Use my promo code strictlyanon15 for 15% off. Or just go to the description, click on the link, and 15% will be automatically applied at checkout. Not only do I recommend Promescent, 2,000 medical professionals recommend them. I promise you will not be disappointed. Thanks, Promescent, for sponsoring this episode. Welcome to the Strictly Anonymous Podcast. Conversations with online strangers. We place ads online. Craigslist is definitely the gift that keeps on giving. Real people respond. You go to Singapore or Thailand. You can't not do it. The temptation is just too much. Real problems. Does your friend know that you're banging her? No, he has no idea. And anything goes. Motto of the show, let your Greek flag fly. Probably the only good advice I'll ever give you is to rehide your whips and chains. Here is your host, Kathy. Hey, welcome to the Strictly Anonymous Podcast with Kathy. Do you want to follow the Strictly Anonymous Podcast on Twitter or Instagram? Follow me at Strict Anonymous. If you're listening on any kind of podcast app, make sure to subscribe to my show. You'll get all the episodes I put out. I'm currently putting out episodes on Sundays and Wednesdays. Eventually, I'm going to do Fridays too. Uh, I'm going to call them Fetish Fridays. I'm going to have my specific fetish episodes. I'll post those on Fridays. That's coming up very soon. <laughs> if you want to be on the show, send me an email, strictly podcast at gmail.com and make sure to describe a little bit about what you want to talk about. You don't have to send me like a 10 paragraph email, but give me like a one paragraph email or a couple sentences of what you want to talk about. Uh, today I have on a guy named Ty. Now Ty is really into fisting, size queens, large insertions. And like I've touched on that topic before just a little bit, like here and there someone said, oh, I got fisted. But, and that was like it. I've never had somebody on that. Like it's really into it. Um, and Ty is. So that's an interesting combo that we have. He talks about when he started fisting and he started fisting like from the fucking get go. <laughs> how word got out about how he was into fisting, who he fisted with, how he fisted himself. There's a lot of stuff, a lot of stories about fisting in the beginning. And then, you know, that led to him getting involved in all kinds of things. He fooled around with guys when he was younger. He got into swinging. He met some couples. He talks about exactly what went down with them. He uh, was a bull who always had a desire to be a cuck. He's bottomed for guys. He got into Polly and he's got a lot of uh, interesting thoughts about the Polly scene. You know, he has his own take on it, why it didn't work for him. He's very good at explaining things and he's very good at big picture stuff. So after I 
go in deep with all his, you know, backstory, we do talk about uh, bigger picture stuff. That's after he tells me a little bit more about his weird fetishes he has, like for unshaved armpits, cotton panties, musky smelling women. <laughs> He's a Burning Man guy. He talks about shit that went down there, like group fisting events, seven person orgy, uh, poly swinger parties that he went to. Um, and then he gives advice. He gives a lot of good advice and a lot of, like I said, interesting big picture scoopage on the lifestyle and all that it has to offer. And uh, he's a super interesting guy. He's been there, done that with a lot of stuff and he's here to talk about it. So I'm going to be right back on with Ty. This is the Strictly Anonymous Podcast. Hi, Ty. Welcome to the Strictly Anonymous Podcast. How are you today? I'm going great, Kathy. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for calling in. Now, Ty, there was a lot in your email, okay? So hopefully you're a good storyteller and you're just going to start with your story <laughs> or I could, you know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's a lot going on. Why don't yeah. you talk about how you got into all the stuff that you have been into in your life? All right, sure. Yeah, uh, I, hopefully uh, I'd like to get to where I can share a lot of advice with people on, on um, how they could proceed with some of these fantasies or at least how to communicate. Yeah, uh -huh. but I, I do think going through with my story would be a great way to start. But I do remember that you did say, "Oh, I love statistics and you know yes. stuff like that." So you are one of those guys that wants to eventually get on this show, which I what I typically don't do, but I don't mind doing is get like bigger picture and talk about that kind of stuff right. and give advice. But I think yeah. that that's great. But let's definitely get your backstory first, so people know that you're the expert and why you are the right person to tell them what to do because <laughs> you do have okay, done a lot. Right. You've done a lot. Yeah. So I'm 41 right now. I'm currently single. Um, I have a couple of distant friends with benefits. Um, I was seeing a poly married woman for mm -hmm. almost seven years. Mm -hmm. Um, before that I was swinging through my twenties as a single male, uh, as a third for couples. Um, and I've, I've had some other adventures like joining poly that were casual or, uh, after that, there were more or less, more or less some, some women that met me in the poly community, but we did not form a relationship. It was, it was, uh, I guess we were sort of kicking the tires. We, we had some fun since then. So, yeah. But, um, but backing up though, um, I'll, I'll go all the way, uh, back to my childhood because I think, I think it's important, uh, a little bit because, <laughs> uh, one of my fetishes is, is size queen admiration. I, I'm really, um, fascinated by size queens. Um, as a voyeur, but just I uh, really grabbed a hold of my mind in my in my mid teens. So I think if I back up even further, but uh, anyway, so I, I had my first kiss at five, and then about nine years old, some older boys um, told me about sex, and I, so that's really where my mind uh, began to really think about things that, um, and and I just I can remember falling asleep every night, kind of with wonder, wondering about sex. And um, I, I was exploring my body. Uh, Let's not get too much into details of like, you know, when you were five, you know, but get to the point where you yeah. start. You're like into size queens. Let's start there. Um, so my first relationship at age, uh, I was 15 and yeah. then 16. Um, um, she, she just had a, a very accommodating vagina. I hadn't seen any porn before that. Maybe watched one old school video. Um 
uh, and I had read Finhoff's letters when I was about 11, a lot. And I think that sort of informed, informed my, my output um, a lot. And, and what I was impressed by, I just had that the mind where I, w- I was just impressed with, I say, the physics of penetration. <laughs> but um, both her and I would try to fit my hand into her uh, when, I, when I was 16. And uh, I was just, that was just as the internet was coming out, I had no idea Piston was a sex act. And um, that was oh fisting. It, I, it's hard to understand you a little yeah, bit, but fisting. fisting. Okay, mm-hmm. fisting. Yes, I had no idea that fisting was a sex act. Mm-hmm. And um, it, um, yeah, it, it intimidated me, but I was super curious. Um, and we didn't talk about it. Um, we were just she. She enjoyed being fingered, and I really loved fingering her. And you know, it really worked for us. We were often hiding. Um, and yeah, I just got really close several times. Uh, and as I said, I didn't even know about using lube. I mean, I knew it was on the shelves by the, <laughs> the condoms for whatever silly reason. I didn't buy any. Um, right. but, uh, after that relationship, at the end of that relationship, we broke up and got back together a couple of times. And one time she slept with another guy and that's sort of where I think my cuckold side started. Um, I was super curious. Uh, I was jealous, but not necessarily super angry. I, I wish there could have been a fly on the wall. Mm-hmm. I asked her some questions about him. Uh, she was happy to tell me. I just, uh, I remember uh, just really getting to my head about it. And, and that's, that's where that sort of started. And then uh, I didn't date anyone for two years. And then at 19, uh, I dated a woman. Uh, I went to the same high school as well. And, during our early times in foreplay, I was fingering her, and she told me to try and see how many fingers I could put in her. And uh, I got really excited, and I told her I knew about fisting because after I broke up my first girlfriend, I, was, I spent more time on the Internet. I had access to a friend's house, and um, I, I came just sort of through reading about stories about big dildos, I stumbled across a lesbian fisting story. Mm-hmm. Um and I was just super intrigued. It really turned me on. And then online, I discovered there was a, a book called A Hand in the Bush, The Fine Art of Vaginal Fisting mm-hmm. uh, by Deborah Addington. And uh, I read that book. And so I had that knowledge for the time I was in that second relationship. And um, I was able to fist her. We were standing up in the bathroom in my parents' house. And uh, it, it was really hot for both of us. Uh, we did it a few times. Mm-hmm. Um, and other large object concerns like shampoo bottles and everything. She, she was really into it. Uh, looking back, I think she heard probably heard through the grapevine that I was into that stuff. Cause after my first relationship, I, I watched some porns with a couple of neighbors and, uh, we, I just, some of my neighbors knew, <laughs> well, my fascination with large insertions and, Oh, so maybe she caught wind and was like, oh, I'm into that too. So I got to go, you know, get with that guy and then we could do it together. Oh, yeah, probably. Yeah, that or I think she was just into me and she just, she was intrigued by that. Uh, Yeah. Um, But yeah, so that relationship was sort of short lived. Um, And then I stayed single again for a couple of years. uh, And then I went to college and. Um, I put an ad on Adult Friend Finder. But at the same time, I started dating a woman. And uh, a couple of women were interested in me. And then there was just one woman that I, I continued to see. I was honest. I told about the other woman. I thought, you know, I just kept both of them informed. And, uh, but I didn't tell her about my interest in swinging. Uh, 
Well, I, I did in the relationship, and she was not interested, but I didn't tell her that I had to add up. And so I did cheat for my first experience. Um, that fall, I was with a, a woman. She was 39. Her, her husband had a disability. I was 22. Mm-hmm. Um, and I met with him about six different times. And, um, and with the husband just watched? One time. Yes, the mm-hmm. husband just watched. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, we, I met them in a big parking lot the first time, and like we didn't have a drink, we didn't go to dinner, and they just agreed to take me to their house. They, they trusted me, and uh, yeah. Uh, after that, they would feed me. <laughs> I would show up on the second visit. Oh but, my God, uh, hilarious. But, uh, yeah, and then for her birthday, I brought a couple of buddies along. How many? And you all fucked her? I mean, like, what went down? Right. Yeah, two guys. I brought out two other guys. Uh-huh. Um... And yeah, we took time. We, I guess you would say, ran a train. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The <laughs> so train. We a train on her. And uh-huh. uh, yeah, I, I was happy to get some voyeurism in there. Uh, one of the guys was rumored to have a, a big cock and he would swing it around in the dorm, supposedly. I hadn't seen that, but he was, I heard of his past. And uh, it wasn't that big, actually. In that's reality, so funny. You know, well, uh, that's because you're <laughs> such a, you're like into that huge insertion thing that, yeah, you know. <laughs> that, that's true, too. That is that is true too. It's all and, relative. Uh, yeah, also it is all relative to what people have seen and been around. Yes, and uh, well, we had a good time. Um, yeah, it, I don't know if it was like super spectacular, but it was her fortieth birthday, and I, I sure enjoyed it. And the other two guys enjoyed it. Um, after that, it was, I guess, two years. It's kind of every other year in my twenties I hooked up with a couple. Basically, uh, the first, second, and third couples were through adult friend finder. Um, and then after that, it was playing lifestyle, sort of closer to 2009, uh, before 2009, a couple more couples in, in a different state in New Mexico. So what happened with them? Uh, that's the first time a guy, well, it's not the first, actually. He took my cock before I fucked his partner. And oh, I thought okay. that was maybe the first time I had them buy stuff. But there was couples before that where uh, the guy was interested in buying the, um, the, the second couple I was with. Yeah. The guy uh, fucked me. Um, well, so, you you didn't say that. That was a long time ago in your story. Like, so one of your three sums <laughs> that you've had yeah, with a couple, the guy fucked you second. in the ass. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that was a second mm-hmm. second couple I was with, and then the third couple was hetero, but he was much more of a cuckold actually. Right. So I was that's when I I learned later that I was being also with some of these couples. They were looking at me as a bull. I did not know the word cuckold. Yeah, till after I was with nine couples, and then I could see. I could see the pattern, and I had the fetish since my my mid teens, yeah. mostly to large insertions. And I was I was really wanted to be the watcher, and I wanted to have a spouse that done all this, but I didn't. And um, anyway, and I was happy to be <laughs> with these married women while their husbands watched. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Did you know that you were into went. guys though? I mean, before like that yeah. happened with that yeah, guy. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. what I was going with with my younger stories. Uh, yeah. I, 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 <clears throat> My, my my first um, sexual things are touching genitals and all is with guys, even though there was no arousal. But mm-hmm. then uh, I explored in my in my teens. Um, I uh, after my relationship where I tried to fist my girlfriend, I ended up fisting myself wow. that year. <laughs> and then uh, there was a guy in the neighborhood that was he was a really quiet guy, but a big guy. And I don't know. I just ended up telling him about my interest one day talking, and he he fisted me. A couple uh, of times, different occasions. Uh, so wait, wait. <laughs> yeah. 
Okay. <laughs> you have a lot to talk about, so we're so, not, we're missing some important things. So after yeah. you you fist your girlfriend, you fist yourself. Now, did you do that in front of her, or did you go home and do that? You know, by yourself. No, I did it myself. Okay, so I you did, did it myself. yourself, and then yeah. you're telling your guy friend, "Oh, I'm I fisted myself," and he's like, "Oh, let me fist you," and then you guys fist he fisted you. Yeah, I, I started telling about my porn interest first, like what I was interested in, the types of porn and large insertions, and then when yeah. he seemed just quiet, but also fascinated. And mm-hmm. I told that I could even do it to myself. And yeah, just kind of, kind of baby stepped it that way. <laughs> wow. So, Was yeah. it a one-time deal? Uh, ah, mm, the first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com. No, two or three times. Okay. And did that. Yeah. Um, But... And when I was 25, I got interested in poly, but I was still meeting up with swinger couples, and I was the women I would date, I would tell them about poly, and they were not interested, but they, they were interested in swinging. <laughs> I started to meet women interested in swinging at age 25. Yeah. It wasn't until I got to a big, a big city when I was 29 that I started mingling in a poly community. And uh, I was, and then that year I was with um, probably about three couples swinging. That was sort of my last. Swinging. There was a couple of my mid thirties that were in, around. They were kind of hovering around the poly community, but they were casual with me. And we had a threesome. That, that was the tenth couple I was with. But um, yeah, so I got interested in poly at twenty five, but not until twenty eight and twenty nine, I had poly dates. And the twenty nine got serious with a married woman, and uh, I was one of her secondary partners. She had another guy that she had been seeing a year longer than me, and um, her husband had always had two or three partners. And everybody dated separately unless it was planned ahead of time to have a uh, like a dinner out together. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've only had two threesomes. Uh, well, actually, no. At the end, she dated a trans male guy, and we had probably four or five threesomes together. But but her 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 uh, cisgendered hetero guys, we only each had a, a threesome with her. Um, yeah, it was mostly all separate, but uh, really good people in the poly community. Um, but did you ever have, I mean, you, that mean that's, that's like you being like, you were pulled into a relationship where somebody was ever into a relationship. Correct. Did you ever have your own relationship? And then you and your girl went out and sought, uh, you know, somebody to bring in. Did you ever do poly that way? Or was it always you going into other couples relationships as a third or fourth or um, whatever? Well, I think uh, for six months I had a girlfriend, um, and she was seeing another guy. But I was like her primary partner. We were kicking the thighs to do that. Right. She and then you were still seeing that other woman, the married woman, while you yes, were with I her. Yes, I still was. Right. That's very yes, poly. Sure. I don't know how you guys could keep that shit going. I mean, that's a lot of uh, work. Yeah. It, <laughs> right? It, it felt yeah, cumbersome. It, it felt quite cumbersome. And, and yeah. in my experience, uh, the people that, the couples that are, are monogamous and try to open up to be very egalitarian and they don't want hierarchy, which is kind of the way the poly community leans. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's extremely tough for them to keep their relationship, their marriage, if they're trying to be super egalitarian. Uh, and, and I'm sure people want to throw rocks at me, but uh, in my experience, 
that's how it goes. I know a handful of couples uh, that have that I pull it off for years, and and I've been to the Pacific Northwest to conferences, uh, you know, in in uh, in Texas conferences, and I know a lot of people, and it. it's, um, you know, there there are a few people that can, you know, they communicate extraordinarily well, um, and and that's almost their hobby. That's what they do. Right, but when you say igla, igla, what was that fucking word you use? It's like confusing. E- egalitarian. They, egalitarian. They what does that mean? Have, yeah, they don't want to have much hierarchy. They, they don't want to give any more importance to one partner than the other. They sometimes say that okay, well, so they're, like they only share finances with this one partner, but everybody's equal, and that's that's fairly a common uh, a goal. That's 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 what their initiative is. There's a lot, you know, not everybody. But a lot. Um, yeah, of course. Because uh, how else could it work? You know what I mean? I, I right. would think that that's the whole point of poly, right? That you could love more than... And in well, love is never... You know, if you love someone, once you cross that line, I mean, how different is it from one love to another? I mean, you can't say, oh, I love her like this much, but I love this one. I don't know. You know, it's kind of like love is love. So once you're going to... Well, that that, makes logic, that does make logical sense. But in, when it comes to sharing a household with someone, I think they're, they're running the difficulties in the long run. And it might yeah. be seven years down the road, but it end up running into a lot of difficulties. I, I find... The people that do more hierarchy, like swingers, there's hierarchy. But there's some poly people that have hierarchy, too, yeah. in that. They, they keep their primary relationship high and way above. I know a couple that uh, they've been together in 30 years, and they've been open most of that. And and they're hierarchical. He's, he's more important than anybody else. Uh, and uh, they're, they're doing great for, for that long. Yeah, you're saying you've seen it work more when they do have the hierarchy than when right. they yeah. don't. Yeah, I yeah. think I ag- I could totally see why that would be the case because I do think it would be very yeah. hard to keep it in that way. Like you said, yeah, it's very logical to say like, oh, we're all just going to love each other, you know. Um, but, yeah. I, you know, I think that that gets confusing. Yeah, I, I, exactly. Exactly. Um but in my life, I'm I'm kind of drifting back towards swinging or as friends with benefits. I, I'd like to, you know, have a primary partner, an open relationship, and the, mostly actually with her being with other people. I, you know, I'd be happy just two or three times a year if I could dabble. Would be great at a festival or a hot tub party. But other than that, I'm I'm really a voyeur and and much more of a couple. So. Have you had a, a really true cuckold? No, there's still much more. You so you went to Burning Man. You've done orgies. Like, but wait, have you um, yeah. ha- been able to find a woman and ha- that you had a long term relationship with that not, not you could be a cuck? With, not not spouse level. In 2019, I started dating a woman. We dated for a year and a half, and she dated my friend, and uh-huh. he's more dominant than I am. And but I never. I had already had a threesome with him, so it didn't give me any angst. Like, the cook wants to feel angst. Oh. Anxiety about it. Uh, and, yeah, and almost would be intimidating. And although, you know, she was with me first, and she was my girlfriend, and she started seeing him, uh, I I could just go to sleep. It was no problem. Wait, know, so and, tell me about that angst thing. So as a cuck, for you, it's not just the voyeur in you that wants to see the action. There's a part of you that maybe it's a sub in you or whatever that also wants to feel some sort of like, oh, I wish you, I don't want you to do this, but you're doing it anyway kind of thing. That's correct. 
Yeah. And I don't know, like, I don't want you to do it. No, it's just that it is more of an exciting ride when it's a little bit intimidating. It's just like going to a theme park. People can go to a theme park and they're oh. going to want to ride a roller coaster and they're going to want excitement. Yes. They want to go on a, on a roller coaster that is somewhat scary. You know, yes. They're going to make it through, though. They don't want to go in one that they're not going to make it through. <laughs> right. They're going to throw up their guts all over the place. So <laughs> yeah. that's really the ideal of the cuck situation, is to be facing a situation that is a bit scary because the person is somewhat intimidating because they're very attractive or they're generally, you know, the other person to be strong in ways that you're weak. Right. And um, that's where it's the mind fuck right there. And... Yeah, so that's interesting. I mean, uh, that you're very good ex- at yeah. explaining it. You know, that really helped me see <laughs> and understand. No, seriously, what you were, what you mean. You know. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, it has to be that intense. So yeah, I haven't seen her for a year and a half, and it just wasn't. She didn't see anybody else, and she saw him, and and uh, and he's a more dominant guy and all, and an alpha type. But it, I just know him really well, and it's just. <laughs> it wasn't really, you know, much of a cuckold situation due to that. Right. And that's what you like ever since that cheating scenario that happened to you when you were super young. Right. Yes. Since I was 16 uh, and I got really interested. We were broken up, so she wasn't actually cheating, but it was you know, the woman that I, I was really infatuated with having sex with someone else. And I was just super curious. I mean, curiosity really drives the cook a lot. It's, it's, uh, you know, voyeurism is, is probably the top, the top reason folks uh-huh. are pulled, pulled into it. And, you know, second is breaking the taboo. Yeah. Um, the third thing we feel, a lot of us, we feel it's, it's human, human nature for a lot of people not to be sexually monogamous, uh-huh. even if not poly, but yeah. the, the philander yep. and all that. And, uh, we see that we're giving a gift to our partner. Um, a lot of cases, and then when they come back to us, it's reaffirming. You know, they still choose to live with us or be our, you know, our primary partner and want us to be primary in their life. It reaffirms to us um, a lot of times, that, and uh, it, it feels good. It feels like a child to maybe the what we experience with cheating or what we see in society. Yeah, so, that's um, interesting. Yeah. Now but you're the voyeurism. Yeah. Second. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. The voyeurism. That's a voyeurism, could, you know, could be breaking down into a lot of, you know, reasons why. And this, this is one, pers- one person, one of your guests touched on, and they said living vicariously. And that's one of the main things that I wanted to express uh, with, with coupling, and that I think is sometimes not covered. And I wish even some of the researchers and, you know, and our future scientists had a look at this. That, uh, I think the cup, you know, lives vicariously through both partners, not just one. I and mean, they, they, they have expressed in some cases how, He's living vicariously through her to be with men because he's bi, or he has repressed homosexuality, and so on. And there's there's some that'll that'll be that way. There's some cooks in that boat. Um, but like I have, I've had one-on-one hookups with guys in my late twenties from Craigslist, and I, I've I've kind of reached the end of where I wanted to do some of that. I I got you know I dealt with what women deal with. They were I was lied to, you know, a little bit manipulated at times. It's just like, eh, you know, I've had people are not always true with their, with their profiles. 
Yeah, you you're know, like, oh, now you know uh, what girls go through all the time. Poor, yeah, poor us. Yeah, yeah, I have a lot much more sympathy for women that That's are so funny. <laughs> that are online and looking for a casual hookup. Yeah, uh, you know, because I, I, I got as a, as a bottom, I was hooking up with them as a bottom. I, I got some of the same shit. So yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, let's go back to living vicariously, though. Um, you know, we also live vicariously through the bull. I mean, the bull has a lot of sexual prowess. This, ideally, you know, it, and maybe a lot more stamina. That's the common thing too, is stamina uh, that people look for in a bull. But but off of his energy and talking to him and what he he's able to hook up with a lot of women or or just be really confident sexually and to be able to witness that. It's like like I said, being a fly on the wall uh-huh. and seeing what goes on uh, and in that kind of sex. Like well, at least the cook idealizes sex where the most idealize where the where the bull is well endowed. And there's some that don't, but the most common thing is stamina. And they can last long. A lot of cooks don't last that long during intercourse. And, and even if they have a, there's some cooks with a large cock, I would have to say that's the the, the most the unifying thing that, that gives cock angst uh, is it has to do with intercourse. And it has to do with, they generally feel that they're weaker in some way about intercourse. Oh, uh, interesting. It's not that, just a, a really small percentage is just about the bull being just an alpha male. Mm-hmm. But that... That's usually that's usually like a side thing, and it's almost always primarily about about the penetration. And um, and like I said, that's not always about them being bigger. And because there's some their their partner has a shallower vagina, or the cook has a larger cock, or they just they just not into that aspect. They don't dwell. I should say they don't dwell on size. Yeah. Um, so, um, but but yeah, the cooks live vicariously through both. I mean, there's even a small percentage of us cooks that. We've spent more than just a little passing time wishing we had a pussy ourselves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so we're sort of living through our partner and, and what she experiences and and, um, and and enjoying that. And um, but you know, other, other part of voyeurism too is is uh, some of us may have had um, in our strict upbringing, uh, you know, really really women that we feel were really uptight about sex or, or at least we were taught, we were taught that they were mm-hmm. not as interested as men. And so we really like seeing women that are liberated about sex and that, that are lustful, right? you know, and they have an appetite, a strong appetite. And it's not just for us. Like we want to flip that on his head, how, how we grew up seeing how everything, you know, was, was all the male was the lustful one and the male was the one willing to take all the risk. Uh, but when we see, and are we with a woman that's willing to take some risk and she risk and she has a lot of lust and appetite for sex. It's we're excited about that. And, you know, some of us were drawn to be with a woman like that. And so that, that plays into the voyeurism a lot too. And, and also, like I said, living vicariously somewhat and, and experiencing that. So, yeah, it's even interesting. I think it's hard to wrap your head around what you said before, but it's important because I've heard it before and it's always like, stop me in my tracks. Yeah. Like, wait a second. Could you just say that again? Because it, my brain has to really understand what you're <laughs> saying, which is when you say like, there's a part of you that maybe wants to be with a guy as a guy that you're looking the voyeur, yeah. right? And you're imagining yourself as a guy, but there's also another part of you that wants to have a pussy and be the woman. That's a totally different right. thing. Right. Yeah, it is. It, it is different. Um, and I, I've been, I'm projecting possibly because I know I am in my lower 20s. I, I experienced it for a year or two or I, I wished a little bit more. I didn't feel trans. I don't think I had gender dysphoria 
but I wish they had a pussy. And I've also just been fascinated by the pussy, as I said, through large insertions and everything. And yeah. The physics of everything. And, and then on to how different women orgasm or how my partner might orgasm in different scenarios. And it's, it is, it's a geeky look at it. You know, like just very being, I guess, you know, really quite a geek about penetration and, and all that. And, and, uh, and possibly, like, just having a pussy myself. Or, or the, and I think a lot of other cooks are in that boat. They might they might not even realize it or articulate it that way. Mm-hmm. But they're fascinated uh, with penetration a lot as well. And to some extent, they've maybe thought that, you know, they would at some point in their life, they would enjoy being a woman. Uh, and, of course, some of them do cross-dress, and they get into that specification. And so for a lot of them, that crosses into humiliation. Mm-hmm. For me, it's not humiliating. I dabble. Uh, uh, right, right around age 29 a little bit uh, cross-dressing in more of a hippie way yeah but and, and it was fun it was just a, a rebellious thing to experience at uh, the local Burning Man uh, events and stuff like that have you ever got obsessed with a sex toy I have I'm currently obsessed with my new vibrator by Mystery Vibe called the Crescendo the award winning world's most flexible vibrator That hits you in all the right spots. And do you want to know why it hits you in all the right spots? It's because it's bendable. And when I say bendable, I mean fully fucking bendable. And fully vibrational. Okay, let me tell you. This vibrator has six motors that are divvied out throughout the whole vibrator, which means there are no dead zones like regular vibrators. There's also 16 vibrations to choose from. And there's an app that goes with it so your partner can control it. And speaking of your partner, the crescendo is for him too, okay? Think about it, guys. It's fully bendable. Use your imaginations. There's all kinds of things you could do with this vibrator as a couple, solo. There's a reason why crescendo has won over 20 international awards, and that's because it's one of a kind. Trust me. And today, just for listening to this episode, I'm going to give you 15% off crescendo. Yeah, that's right, 15% off. And they have a sale, a holiday sale at Mystery Vibe where you get an additional 25% off from now through December 22nd. So go get your Christmas gifts, buy one for yourself, buy one for your partner. All you need to do is go to mysteryvibe.com and use my code STRICTLY15. That's mysteryvibe.com. Use my code STRICTLY15 for 15% off. Thanks, Mystery Vibe, for sponsoring this episode. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Anyone who listens to this show knows that I am always talking about therapy. I talk about how I've been in therapy in the past. I'm always pitching it to people who call into my show because I totally believe in it. The hardest part, though, about therapy is finding the right therapist. And BetterHelp makes that super easy. All you have to do is fill out a questionnaire. And BetterHelp will assess your needs and then match you with a licensed professional therapist in under 48 hours. BetterHelp is so committed to giving you great therapy that they make it not only easy, but totally free to change therapists if needed. Also, since it's all done online, professional therapists are available worldwide. So wherever you're listening to the show, you could find a therapist. You could set up sessions as video chats, or if you don't want them to see you, you can do it via the phone and remain anonymous, just like my show. BetterHelp therapy is more affordable than traditional offline therapy, and financial aid is available if you need it. Want someone to talk to? 
Join BetterHelp now. And today, just for listening to my podcast, you're going to get 10% off your first month. All you have to do is go to betterhelp.com slash strictly. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash strictly. Go there for 10% off your first month. Thanks, BetterHelp, for sponsoring this episode. Oh, yeah. I remember you said something about you did a lot of shit at Burning Man. And then you also have like your little you call them tamer uh, fetishes that you were into, which are very out of the box stuff that I had never heard of. But they kind of go with what you were just saying with the whole hippie thing. Right. Is that you like unshaved armpits and cotton panties and right and stuff like that. I mean, explain that kind of and natural musky women (laughs) smelling. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely, yeah, yeah. My my first girlfriend had quite a bold scent, and she didn't shave. And uh, I, yeah, I, I just to me because I had smelled women's bodies a little bit before that. Uh, but when I finally had, it, I was like, oh, this is you know, this is how a woman smells, and I just loved it. And uh, it might have been to the extent that some men would have been put off, but maybe not. I and mean, it wasn't bad, like sour, sweaty, but she had a bold, musky scent. And then later in life, I've, I still I like that, and I don't encounter it that much. So many women. Uh, you know, work hard possibly. Oh, of <laughs> to course. Get rid of all of yeah. And uh, so, and definitely shave a lot more. So it's not they're not encountered much, I and mean, even less in swinging because it's such it's so common to shave and be bare and swing, and a minority have pubic hair. So it's less encountered there. In the poly community, the poly community is a little more hippie. You know, you'll encounter it right. a little bit more. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's more my I, I would I consider almost like vanilla fetishes. Uh yeah, well, panties and hairy pussy and sand and uh rimming. I like to rim. If I'm if I'm attracted to a woman, I'm happy to lick a lot of ass. It's, it's, it's exciting. <laughs> yeah. But wait and so you've been to Burning Man? I yeah. mean you're you kinda are like the Burning Man type for sure. Well, yeah, I haven't been to the big burn, as we call it. I've, I've been to the regional burn. So around the United States, there are regional burns. So a lot of oh, states have a regional burn. Really? With about, say, like 3,000 people in attendance. And it's uh, it's not as harsh as going to the desert. Uh-huh. Generally, nice, you know, wooded area. And, uh, yeah, I've been I've gone to those for 10 years. There's, you know, a couple of years, typically, in, in regions. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a blast. And, you know, 10% of people are or naked or half naked and and there's a lot of art as you've mentioned on your previous yeah it's a, yeah it's pretty amazing and creativity and, and just it's really you know it's really fascinating and you're, you're able to live as a tribe there for however many days for four days or so and you typically don't get annoyed with each other because it's a short period of time and you're all bringing a lot of extra resources and you're really excited so it tends to be you know, uh, a good way to experience, it's almost like short-term group living. Because yeah. if we stayed there any longer, we'd, we'd probably be arguing. So, um, <laughs> Right. It's like, yeah. it makes you think that. It's like the honeymoon phase, right? It makes you think that this would right. be like yeah, amazing. But yeah, you're exactly. smart enough yeah. to know that if you stayed any longer, it'd be, all the, it'd right. be like Lord of the Flies. <laughs> right. I, I think so. I mean, they might not all agree with me, but I've lived in, in somewhat similar situations. <laughs> No, uh, more, a little bit more hippie and group living where I live, and uh, it doesn't always work out. So, I didn't know that they have small regional uh, Burning Mans that take place. I had yeah. no idea. I'd never heard. I just know of the big one because I know people, you know, I'm here in New York City. And I know people that have gone to that one, and those are the people that yeah. told me about it. I couldn't believe, like you said, besides all the sex that goes down, I mean, there is this amazing 
art and all the paraphernalia and the things that people right. set up. I mean, your my brain, I just couldn't even like again. I was like amazed at like the brilliant yeah. genius shit that comes yeah. out of what's going on there. Besides, like I think a lot of people that aren't in the know or don't know somebody that's ever gone there and didn't, you know, they just see mm-hmm. it as one thing or they just see the pictures. But really, there's so much going on. Like I said, as with the right. art and these d- d- brilliant people doing these creative scenarios and stuff you're right i mean it's amazing right oh it is so creative you just never know what you'll walk up on like uh i know that you said that you've done like small orgies and stuff like that like that so all that kind of yeah. stuff takes place at the regional ones as well oh over there and there's some camps that are sex camps where there's yeah there's different beds set up and um like you know you just there's some that are more visually open. People walking by can see, and some that are more closed. Uh, but no, uh, with some uh, former poly, who say metamorphs, like the guys that dated the same woman, mm-hmm. although she's not in the picture anymore. Uh, after she moved out of state, uh, they just I, they, they invited me to some little get-togethers, and we had a seven-person orgy. Um, another one of my friends would host swinger parties. And he would invite some poly people because he was poly most of his life. And then he started swinging more in his later years. And so also his house was a little bit of a, an orgy place and hot tub and all that. So um, it's a bit of that. And then kink parties. Uh, you know, in most big cities, there's there's a lot of good kink groups. And people can, can find them on FetLife and find a, uh, look up a kinky calendar and, and, you know, go to kink clubs. And not all of them have sex play areas or sex is not necessarily going to go down every month, but, mm-hmm. uh, I've seen some stuff. I mean, I, I haven't, I had one on one sex, I mean, behind closed doors at a kink place, but, um, one of the most exciting things I saw, that was like my first, <laughs> first month going to kink parties in the city. And, um, yeah, being interested in assisting, I hadn't, I hadn't watched anybody else do it in person. And, uh, this house was, it's a three-bedroom house with about 80 people in it, so it's quite packed. And then at midnight, the, the living room opens up the plate. Before that, you have to be in the back rooms. But at midnight, it opens up, and this guy starts wrestling a woman in the living room, and they're laughing and giggling, and he's wrestling with her, and he ends up fisting her in front of everybody in the living room. Uh, and it was amazing to see. Uh, and, of course, you know, this this is pre-consent. They... they uh, had that in a relationship. She was actually a poly partner of this mm-hmm. couple. And mm-hmm. at, at one point, the wife came and helped hold her down a little bit. Uh, but it, it was really impressive. And, you know, fisting was a regular part of their sex life. I found that after the fact. But, right. um, yeah, mind blown. I was so excited <laughs> to be there. Yeah, because that's yeah. been your thing since you were super young. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. Yeah. So, uh, and, and now I'm a little bit less. It's like my last relationship, I've done some more fisting and it, uh, it's fun. It squeezed the hell out of my hand. <laughs> uh-huh. And uh, you know, I'm still fascinated. I'm more of a, uh, really, if I could see one woman fisting another, it tends to blow my mind more than me doing it myself. But yeah, I'm definitely still into it. But uh, yeah, I encourage people to look up peak parties in their city if you get the chance. And then, you know, it's, it's just BDSM, and maybe it's not for everyone, but definitely I find that way. So some of the, the group things I've seen or been around has been that. But uh, but the orgy was mostly just that with the, the uh, former our former poly peeps and their new girlfriends. Uh, yeah, you're so casual about everything you've done. I mean, you've like been there, done that, everything. I know, you know. I I love your 
you know, typically I just like to pick apart someone's story, but I think you're really good at explaining things that are bigger picture. So, you know, keep going down that path because I think it's super interesting your take on everything since you've been so exposed to everything. Yeah. Wow. Um, well, it hasn't been easy to find these communities and, you know, to have all these experiences, but it's just, you know, I just took my risk. I was honest about what I was into. And at the beginning, I didn't, I wasn't finding people that were into the same things except for threesomes. You know, there were, there were some women that were down with threesomes, but it, it, it took kind of getting out here, uh, more around cities typically, but, um, yeah. <laughs> What's some of so now you wanted to get into advice. We started yeah. off saying I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. let's get into your story first, and then you could talk about stats and all. Right. You know, I know you talked about literature. Yeah. Maybe you could re- recommend some stuff for people, but also give them advice. Yeah. So I, I think one of the most common things to see online is is people are asking like how to get their spouse um, into cuckolding, or even they use the word convince. <laughs> it's not a, they usually get a bit of backlash, and I understand if their partner's already saying no. Uh-huh. a lot and, and they're not interested, you know, you should not keep trying to convince. But for the for people that their spouse is not absolutely against it or people that are completely new to bringing this idea up, I mean, uh, I, I have a lot of suggestions for them. And start small and start slow. And, and first, I think they should really back up and think about what might their spouse be interested in. I mean, just start sharing fantasies or intimate interests. I mean, what if she wants a romantic massage in a motel or, or just some things, what can you provide for her? Yeah. Uh, really keep that in mind and, and try to stop being one-sided. Sometimes us couples can just be so entire fantasy, fantasy and so wanting it and feel like we're just not getting it that we, we end up staying stuck in a more of a one-sided perspective for a while. Um, but then the other thing, and, you know, sometimes people just recommend porn and that can work. I mean, if she's in the hardcore porn or... You know, amateur porn, that, that can definitely be an easier way to introduce the idea. Mm-hmm. But think about if she's not into that, if she's into erotic stories. And then if she's not into stories or porn, or even if she is, the other thing that I think people overlook is sex toys. And starting off with dildos, and it don't have to be huge, but just different kinds. It could be glass. It could doesn't, Women tend to not be as into the ultra-realistics. Um, but... Yeah, well, let me just tell you, wait, I'm going to tell you about the best toy ever. I mean, they happen to be my sponsor, but, and when someone sponsors your show, like Mm -hmm. they send you something, right? (laughs) Let me tell you, Mystery Mm -hmm. Vibe sent me this vibrator that is 100% completely bendable. And it's kind of like one of those things that you're like, duh, why hasn't anyone thought of this before? This thing, you could bend it in so many different ways and there's a, a vibrator in every part of it. And you could customize mm-hmm. it. So you could be, you know, it, it's like the, it's like endless amount of pleasure using this thing. It's actually like the best thing. But I do think that that really mm-hmm. opens up the conversation when you're using toys too, right? That's what it's all about. Yeah. It's not just about the pleasure that mm-hmm. you're using. It opens up and you could fantasize and make up fantasies when you're using them and mock up scenarios that maybe you're going to do in real life down the line. Yeah. Yeah, Definitely. And yeah, so bringing in toys is really worthwhile. I mean, yeah. Some vibrators, uh, just dildos of different materials. Yeah. But then, you know, gradually, 
different threesome positions will be played out, and you know the the thoughts come up. You don't even have to suggest it. And some exactly. people think think that the dildo should be named and everything. And you know, if you're in the dirty talk and she's in the dirty talk, go ahead and name the dildo. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> there's just no need, and just play with toys. And you know, really, even if she's not in the long run, if she's not interested in cuckolding or a threesome, you still have had those experiences. They're yeah. still worthwhile of themselves. And I, I think as a cook, we can get a lot of satisfaction from that, especially if it's about size. You know, you can, it's much easier to find a dildo exact size that's going to work than yeah. to find a guy, you know, that's necessarily that fits the bill and is, you know, and is true to everything about how he looks and everything, not just his dick. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, toys are really, really worth, uh, spending some time with on that. And, um, but going further on, you know, once, People get to that point. It's, it's also best to m- mention while you're aroused. The science shows that our disgust factor goes down while we're aroused. And that outside of the bedroom, it just might not. I mean, not only just timing in the person's life and day and mood and how they're doing that week, but, but really considering that people are more receptive when they're aroused. So doing some long, slow foreplay. Mention threesomes. And I would say mention threesome and not cuckolding, generally. And to get a test on, <laughs> on, on how your partner's interested in threesomes. And there's a woman that has come in online and to, there's a subreddit called Cuck Psychology, Cuckold Psychology. Uh-huh. And um, uh, there's some women sometimes that chime up uh, as far as like starting the whole subject of discussion. And she's trying to give guys advice on how to introduce a partner to this. And, and a lot of what I've said about erotica or if she's in the porn, maybe, but if she's not in sex toys and threesomes, that's coming from one of the women there on, on that subject. Yeah. So uh, definitely consider timing and, and arousal, but and, and mention threesomes, and then from threesomes go there, and and if you guys are more into humiliation, humiliation and hardcore cuckolding, I still would not necessarily lead with that. I mean, if your partner's in the BDSM, sure, you know, you could talk about humiliation, and that that would be even a, the power dynamics and approaching the power dynamics is the way to go if you're already if she's already into BDSM, but uh, otherwise you're better off uh, with an interest in threesomes. And as I said, you know, everything you do along the way is still worthwhile, even if you never reach the pinnacle of your maximum fantasy. Right. So, uh, yeah, sometimes yeah. it's okay and, uh, that, you know, even if you can't have the real thing, to mock it up. Right. With your partner and a toy, like you said. And what I have heard, though, that I and I think I just want to take it one step further with, you know, I do believe in your theory, like you just stated before, that, you know, you should definitely bring it up when you're aroused. When you're aroused, you're more receptive. Of course, I am always like, yeah, when you're horny, it's like you're in a different state. You're like drunk. The minute you orgasm, boom, you're like stone cold sober. But what I have heard and that is a great time to bring things up and everyone's like really into it. It, but then when people get sober, they're like totally closed down. But what I have heard from a yeah. couple people recently, actually, and I, it does make sense, is that if you do want to eventually take these things to the next level, there has to start yeah. to be communication about those things when you're not drunk. Because I agree. Right? Yeah. Because I then agree. it's a it, it's a fantasy. You only do it, you know, you're drunk, right. horny, let's just keep it here. But really, if you want to go 
past that, I think you have to eventually start talking about it when you're not. And then, oh, it could, then it's more concrete, right? And then you could maybe start moving towards actually uh, getting a third person or whatever. But I mean, you're right. That's yeah. the, the start. But I do think it makes sense yeah. what other people have been telling me that really when it, it became a reality, when they started to actually be more honest about what they were interested in, even when they weren't in the act of it. Yes, absolutely. And people definitely need to talk about it when they're not horny and buzzing on, on excitement. Uh, yeah, and, uh, yeah. And then, you know, not only to get a true answer yeah. you know, to what the person is willing to do, but, but also to set uh, boundaries and expectations. Yeah. And there's some people that run into it. I find it more with cup holding than in swinger or poly that they'll just run into situations that seems like, you know, they could be lying online with their story, but they're just diving in, uh, like, <laughs> silly, to me, silly. Like, and their partner's starting to sleep over at some other guy's house for the night and everything. I'm like, wow, you guys are flying blind. Yeah, yeah, Man, yeah. Mm -hmm. no, no realization of the kind of attachments that can form or, or just, wow. You know, and maybe some people will come out swimming on the other side just fine, but. Uh, but probably <laughs> most really, people won't. Right. Yeah, probably not. No, mm -hmm. they, they really need to. to to think about, you know, what, like, as far as the cook, whether, wherever the cook is, regardless of their gender, what can they handle, you know, or, yeah. or even in swinging, you know, what, you know, some people have the no kissing rule that's been talked about before and stuff like that. I mean, because sometimes, you know, kissing is harder to watch than fucking, I mean, especially if you're really a lawyer and you're into watching fucking, you yeah. know, to see your, your partner romantically tongue kiss for, you know, 15 minutes straight with somebody, even if they're, you know, they're just getting another person, but this heavy duty, it could be tough. So, People need to, to, to really try their best. They're not always going to be perfect in predicting what's going to trigger them, you know, or to cause some jealousy, but they should do their best to see what is going to be their limits. Yeah, and that's um, where that communication that, comes into yeah. play. That's why it's so important yeah. is that I think that you're yeah. more likely going to get your partner to be down for something if they know that if they're not into it, they could say – I'm not into this and you're going to respect that. And you, you know, if you really make right. that clear and that trust is really there, I think you're more likely yeah. to get a partner to do all kinds of things. It's sort of the yeah. opposite of what you would think, you know, give somebody more rules and l allow them to place them. And most likely those rules will fall, fall by the wayside. Tell somebody like, yeah. Oh, it's a fucking free for all. And then they're going to put up all kinds of barriers. Cause they're like, wait a second. What if this, what if that? Whereas if you say yeah. like, let's just, let's have all the rules and start out that way. What typically happens. Yeah. And what I've heard is down the line, those rules go out the window because these two people completely trust each other and they know that, you exactly. know, they would yeah. be respected if something was a problem and that's, what's most important. And so if you start out there, yeah. I think you're more likely to get to the place where, like I said, that stuff falls by the wayside. Whereas if you start out like, oh, nothing fucking matters and I we, I could do whatever I want or what, I, you know, that's where you're going to hit all those roadblocks and it's just going to go right. the opposite, right? Right. No, that's their security and boundaries. Sometimes. Yes. When you know your boundaries or what's expected in a relationship, the boundaries, there, there can be a security in that. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, that's what I was saying about hierarchical poly. Sometimes people don't like it, but I liked it as a secondary uh, even though that's what she was trying, but I, I knew my boundaries and, and what was the, the, what we kind of wanted in the future. Yeah. Uh, so, but yeah, and, and cuck holding and, and swinging or monogamish and all of that, really, yeah, there, there's comfort. And as you said, things can progress later, as it usually does. People cancel off some rules that they don't feel they need. Uh, but 
then, then going forward, the other thing I want to mention about cuckolding and that people can do it on their own at home, even if the spouse is not interested, is this is power play, power dynamics, because that's a big part of what, you know, I'm going to generalize as a guy here, but the guy wants to experience uh, not having to be dominant. Right. Uh, and wants a dominant partner. And some women, uh, when they're newly, they're new to that, uh, to, to try to be dominant, it seems almost like too big of a, a change, or they, they wonder how to become dominant that way. But some Sometimes it could just be being a little more demanding in sex. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes it could be maybe maybe not give him head, but he has to give you head. And right. then you could take it a step further, and she could demand in the middle of the date that she wants to receive oil at some random time in the middle of the date. And that's all ways of being sort of like flipping things on their head and being more dominant without necessarily having to whoop him or like be a, yeah. be a dominatrix. So, because I think what people tend to see at the beginning, I was like, "Well, you know, I'm not going to be a dominatrix, or I'm not going to like really do to grab him, hold him in his place, or not. No, but it could start with just just doing some changes." And yeah, um, I think that's smart. A, a cuckold guy would to get, you know, a cuckold type guy can get a lot of satisfaction of just being more submissive at home, you know, and getting and doing some of these things, even if they don't experience the complete cuckolding adventure. So, and that's all baby steps, and then. You know, a lot of a lot of couples start cuckolding and they don't get into much as the power play and the dominic, uh, you know, the dominance and, and all that humiliation until down the road. It tends to be, as we're talking about, things progress and and not everybody has to progress to that. Yeah. But but a good a good bit of uh, couples end up going that way more or less. I I'm kind of into cuckolding light. I I don't like cock cages. It's not for me. I'm not interested in cock cages. Uh, I like light humiliation, verbal humiliation. Wouldn't have to be every time. Just sad. something between cuckolding and hot wifing mm-hmm. is is where I fall, and people are going to fall, you know, in different spots on that spectrum. Let me that's, ask that's you this: uh, back to you a little personally before we wrap this up. Um, now, yeah. how open? I mean, it seems like you're just like fully involved in this kind of lifestyle since the get-go you've had all kinds Mm -hmm. of experiences you're out and about doing all this stuff how open are you about this part of your life to people in your regular life oh i i've had i've been quite open about it i mean i told my parents and siblings when i was oh my 20s that i was swinging i didn't go into details but you know then i was into that uh, roommates in college, which got back to my small town where I grew up, wasn't necessarily the best thing. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, yeah, but they all knew about your fisting can... fetish because you told them early on you were always that guy. You <laughs> yeah. were always honest. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I guess I was always kind of pushing that edge. Yeah, that yeah. Was, yeah, that was my late teens in, in the neighborhood. They knew I was in the fisting and more insertions. But then, in, you know, I haven't, I've used the term cuckolding around people that have been around me in the poly community. Um, and I haven't been around as many swingers since. You know, since then, but I, I'm trying. That's kind of where I'm heading back towards. Is, is, is like I said, less, 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 a little bit less polyamory uh, and more friends with benefits type relations. Um, but uh, you know, my my friends know <laughs> that I'm, I'm interested in in this. And uh, you put that on but, the table you know, when you meet, like when you meet partners, because I'm assuming you you meet women on these websites that you're on, but you you obviously probably meet them also just in your regular life when you're out and about. Do you bring up yeah. who you are and what you're into, like right from the get-go? Um, sometimes the first date, uh, I, yeah. I don't push the topic of sex, but it kind of, if the topic of sex comes up, especially yeah. 
So I, I've used OkCupid a lot. OkCupid has a lot of good questions. And typically non-monogamous people will use OkCupid or have. They have used it more than other dating sites. Um, so that has been a good one. And usually they know, I mean, I have monogamous on there or, or I've ordered it different ways at different times. Yeah. So I've uh, been forward on that. As far as cuckolding, I might not mention that to a second or third date or something like that. I, I don't necessarily bring that one on the first date, but it's, you know, um, definitely being forward about and interested in uh, at least being monogamish or, or you know, an open relationship. But I I tend to not hook up or date as much, or I'm looking for my partner to do that more, uh-huh. um, and stuff like that. Yeah, that's. And what does your future? What does your perfect future look like for you? What would be the perfect well, relationship to, for you to find? Yeah. Like, what's that unicorn that you're looking for? <laughs> So the unicorn I'm looking for is is a woman that she wants some openness. She wants to be in a monogamous or open relationship. She would she would like to be in an open relationship, and she would hook up with other people and have friends with benefits, uh, and not not be serious poly. I mean, if, if that's the only way she can do it, I like poly hierarchy, you know, where the other relationships are secondary. But ideally, more friends with benefits or just casual, swinging a few times a year. <laughs> But when you uh, say friends with benefits, you. you don't. That means you don't want to yeah. have. When to me, friends with benefits. Do you want her to have fr- be friends with benefits with you, or friends with benefits with other people? Other people. Okay, uh, so I you want like to marry? You, you know, I don't have to have an official marriage, but you know, I'm looking for a spouse that wants to live with me. Right. So you want a real yeah. emotional connection and a real life with oh, somebody, definitely. and yeah, right. So definitely. that so the friends with benefit is not with you. It's what, but you want her to Correct. be able to go out and have friends with benefits with other people, but be that hierarchy is you guys are in love with each other. Right. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Okay. No, I'm looking for, yeah, definitely a spouse to share life with. Yeah. Share other hobbies and interests too, outside of sex and all of that. Yeah. But someone that will also doesn't want to give up her freedom to hook up. I mean, if she doesn't, if she wants to even be more casual, that's fine. Yeah. But I'm saying like my, I, my, my comfort zone is for my partner to be friends with benefits to other people and usually not sleep over unless she just can't drive back home. Like that, that's, you know, I could watch or not watch. Uh, I like to watch a good bit, but, uh, uh-huh. you know, uh, that's, that's where I'm at. And it, it seems to be tough to find because people tend to gravitate towards being either more swinger and casual, you know, everything together or poly and sleeping over and super egalitarian. There's, there's, it seems to be that there's less people in the middle. Yeah, but you know, if you listen, did you listen to Bretta and Brian, those swingers? Yeah, I I listened to them. Yeah, Uh they were interesting, Mm -hmm. right? Because they also preferred to play separate than together. uh, mm -hmm. Now, let me ask you this. Would you want your, would you also need to have other partners sexually as well? Or would it just be enough for you to have your partner going out and being with other people? I would like to do the dabble yeah. two or three times a year. Uh-huh. And if you could be there and it could be, I only have to do foreplay or whatever. Yeah. And that's part of the power dynamic too, is I'd like for my partner to sort of have a control of that. But um, I would ideally like to do the dabble a couple of times a year uh, and, and not, not necessarily friends with benefits. Just, you know, we meet in a hot tub at one of my friends' parties. It would be nice. Or, or at a burn event, a local yeah. burn event. But mm-hmm. um, no, it's not a must for me. No, I, I would for a woman that matches up with me on all these other things. I would lay that, lay that down. <laughs> I might yeah. laugh and 
you know, and feel some slight reluctance, but no, I, I would, I would lay it down to, to have the rest. If, if she checked all the other boxes, yeah, yeah. You know, sexually and non-sexually, so definitely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, you're in the community. I, I mean, I, I would be surprised if, you know, two years from now you haven't met that person. I think, you know, you're only 41. You could date a 29-year-old. And, uh, you know, younger people, I think, are much more open to different kinds of relationships. So, and you're in that world where you're going to these burn events and, you know, king parties and stuff that I would assume yeah. that eventually you're going to meet a like-minded woman that is going to be down for what you're into. Don't you think? It, it still seems to be a challenge, Kathy. Really? I mean, it's Like I said, that, yeah, especially so many uh, that are non-monogamous want to be poly. Uh, and, and like I said, I don't have anything against anyone. I'm just not wanting to be as poly as many as they do, as they are. Like a lot of my connections in person, that's where they are. I, I'm so what do they say to you? These girls say, okay, listen, I want to be able to sleep with other people, but I, I'm going to develop feelings for them and I want to date them as well. That's where, that's yeah. what most of yeah. these women, I can understand that because right. the, you know, there is that thing that goes down, right? Where they say that when women orgasm, they do release some sort of chemical right. that makes them attached. So, you know, probably a lot of women in that world have realized that over time, if they're yeah. going to be sleeping with that same person, they're, uh, you know, that's more likely to happen and they don't I, want to put boundaries on it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And, and I would even say that you know, I'm fine with it. They have some, some feelings. It's just the type of poly that I did for a long time where they're shared holidays and we you know, meet the parents and shared all these events and they shared everything. It's just too cumbersome for me. And it's yeah. like, I can do it and I don't want to do it. Yeah, yeah I hear I'm you. At. I could yeah, do it. I've been there. I don't want it to be that cumbersome. I don't want it. Yeah, that, that much processing and and uh, you know, it, but at the same time, I'm not at the end of the spectrum where it'd be you nowhere know, to see the other guys as fuck toys. You know, like some people do, they call them a stunt cock. They're just a stunt cock. Come yeah. in, leave. Yeah, you know, that's okay if some people want to be there. Uh, and I realize some bonding is going to happen, some feelings, but it's it's where the big L love, like you know, the big L love, or or even if it's love, it's it's really about schedule and sharing time. That's where uh, I. Uh, in my life experience of what I've seen that I don't want to share that much time and that much of a schedule to that extent as, as you know, as I, uh, basically as, I, as I've experienced. Yeah. Absolutely. That's how I always have looked at the whole poly right. thing. I, yeah. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. And I think it's amazing. I'm actually amazed by people that could do it because I'm like, I can even have more than one child because I, I wouldn't know how much yeah. that I could have the capacity to love that much. But, you know, it just seems yeah. like, to me, very uh, time-consuming. Uh, I just think one keeping one relationship down is hard enough. You know, it takes work right. to keep it good. To have so many, I think it's difficult. But like I said, I mean, you can't say across the board that's how everyone mm-hmm. feels. There's some people it really works for them. But I think what's most important is that you know what works for you. I think you've right. been there, done so much that you really know what works and what doesn't. I think if you, you know, the the more you sit across from women and explain, eventually you're going to find that right person. I have, I've, I have talked to many men that are looking for exactly what you are looking for and have found that and had that in their yeah. life. So it's not, by no means are you looking for something that's like, oh my God, it's never going to happen. I think it's just a matter of like when it will happen for you. I think it's great that you put yourself <laughs> out there and you're straight up about it. 
I think yeah. because you've done so much, you're not coming, you know, you're not sitting across from a girl being like, oh my God, I have to do all this because it's like my biggest fucking fantasy. You know, it's like you've done a lot so you don't have that sort no. of desperation, yeah. like you said, pushing somebody to do something. I think that's always like something that women are going to get a vibe right. about and are going to be turned off to because they want to know that mm -hmm. they could go at their own pace and somebody like you, I think, is going right. to be really respectful of that, of that because you've done so right. much that it's not like you have to do it, right? You're just, you're kind of right. cool about it. Well, I think in person especially, I'm able to proceed that way and, you know, be balanced about it and, yes. and, uh, and, and all that and, and really give a lot of consideration to who they are as a whole person. But online, it's just a challenge, and that's a whole almost other topic to talk about it, the dating profile. It's, it's, it's tough to communicate somewhat, to communicate some of these things without, for sure. you know, shifting almost into that side. Uh, I just seem obsessed. I'm looking for an object to, to you know, to help me procure these fantasies. So it's, it, it is, it's, a tough, it's a tough line to walk and understanding with the profiles. Yeah. But there were, you know, Brenna and Brian, I think, gave out a couple of website uh, of, you know, apps that they used that they felt like were really good uh, for that community. And I think even if yeah. you go into them and it's like more of a swingers thing and that's not what you're really looking for, I think you're more likely to meet somebody maybe there that is open to exactly what you yeah, are. Yeah, I need to get back on the app field. field yes, that's a good one for that. yeah. Yeah, that's it. I do. I have a girl that just talked about. She's like a brand ambassador, Lola Jean. She's like the squirting queen. She's a brand ambassador for that uh, that app, and she talked about it too. Uh, why don't you give a shout out? Where do you live? I'm in Austin. 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 Oh, okay. I've been to Portland. People say Portland and Austin are very similar. It was like the most interesting yeah. place I've ever been. Right. Yeah, they're kind of some poly meccas. Aside, aside from San Francisco, I'd, I'd have to say. Uh, you know, Portland, Seattle, Austin are kind of like they're poly meccas. And yeah, yeah, a lot yeah. Of polys and burn people and all that. So yeah. So yeah. listen, any girls um, out there that are really super open minded that like, uh, what do we call you, Ty? Email me. I'll send them to you. I uh, love this uh, episode. I think you're super interesting. A lot of times I don't like to go bigger picture, but I I really like how you explain things. It was really easy for me to understand it. Um, and I really appreciate you calling in. I really did enjoy talking to you. I think that this is a great episode. Thank you. The only thing I want to add is yeah. I, I did do some coupling with the, the married woman. Uh, you know, she had a partner with a, a big dick. <laughs> Both her partners had to be, but one with a really big dick. And, and uh, he didn't want to let me watch. So I had to put, we did some of the power dynamics. Like at first she wanted me to be more dominant, but then we changed that in the relationship and she started being more dominant. And I was a service sub. Uh, um, and that's how we got some of that. So just for experience-wise, I should have mentioned that. So no, I, although I, I didn't have a wife that started cuckolding, yeah, we we really flopped. It. We really flopped it that way, and um, and you enjoyed it. We, yeah, we enjoyed it. I was a service service up for her for the, like the following five years after that, and uh, she would tell me details of what they did. And eventually, I, I didn't get to watch them. He let me watch them for one of my birthdays. Um, so yeah, you've it, done so it, much. It, we could do a whole part two. I mean, I, I'll have you back on. I mean, because you probably have like a million more sure. stories like this, you know, that you're going to be remembering yeah, like, Oh, uh, I forgot this. I forgot that. Um, no, and, I, I, I got a bunch. I got a bullet list right here. And somebody didn't say like eating cream pies. And all yeah. yeah no, well, I mean, we'll do a part two. Stop. We'll sure, do a part sure. two because it's too much. But I, I liked the, yeah. where we went in this conversation and uh, I think it's, it, it's going to be a fantastic episode and people are going to love it. Go to YouTube and watch okay. the uh, comments. Cause I think oh, you're I going to really, 
help uh, some yeah. people, uh, you know, put things together in their brain and realize like, oh, he explained uh, exactly how I feel. You're going to see that. I hope so. Yeah. So. I'll be replying to a, a naturalist. All right. Awesome. Okay. Thanks so much for calling Thank in, Ty. Guys. Bye. Okay. Bye-bye. Ah, mm, the first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. Hey everyone, thanks so much for tuning in to this week's episode. If you want to follow the show, follow me at Strict Anonymous on Instagram or Twitter. That's at Strict Anonymous. If you are on YouTube, make sure to subscribe. I love YouTube as a platform for my show because people comment there and I try to reply back to every single person who posts a comment. So even if you're not listening on YouTube and you want to talk about the show, go to my YouTube channel, subscribe, like, and share my videos. It's Strictly Anonymous Podcast. If you want to sign up for my Patreon, on my Patreon, you are not only supporting my show, but you will get these episodes early, ad-free, and you get to see anonymous pics of my guests. Most of the girls send in anonymous pics and some of the guys send in anonymous pics. So if you want to see anonymous pics of my guests as well as support my show and get these episodes early and ad-free, sign up for my Patreon, patreon.com slash strictly anonymous podcast. That's patreon.com slash strictly anonymous podcast. The link is also in the description below. Thanks so much for listening. Do you have a story, lifestyle, or situation you can't talk about to anyone, to anyone? Or do you just want to let your freak flag fly and be on the show? Well, Strictly Anonymous wants to hear from you. Send us an email, strictlyanonymouspodcast at gmail.com with your story and your anonymous name. And remember, everything is Strictly Anonymous. Strictly Anonymous.